your exclusive home for prop sports. Oh, it's good! It's good! This is Rowan Radio. Connors with the game winner! 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, Aaron Hook. RowanRadio.com, channel 2503 p.m. Here in Glassboro on this Monday evening, February the 26th, 2024. A pleasantly surprising uh, warm day here in late February. Feeling like spring outside here in Glassboro. I'm your host, Aaron Hook, here with Owen Colwell and Chris DeZillo in the WGLS production studio for some offsides and this is a pretty exciting episode guys because this is the first offsides I think officially of baseball season at least the first Monday edition of offsides of uh, spring training and so we've gotten some looks at some of the local teams with both the Phillies uh, Yankees and Phillies played the other day, the Phillies took a no-hitter into the eighth inning against the Yankees' split squad, um, but a lineup that did include Soto and Judge and Torres. So, um, you know, it is spring training, but still, Phillies almost uh, had some history going on there. And then, um, yeah, it's uh, it's gotten underway, and spring training is always exciting, like we kind of talked about last episode. Um, but also, we've gotten some news today, and... Uh, kind of over the weekend as well. Some updates on some big-time NFL free agents and teams potentially using the franchise tag or not to keep them around. So a busy sports weekend. Um, some great college basketball as well. Um, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I'm excited for uh, I'm excited for spring training to keep going. I know the Mets are off to a good start so far this spring, which – so even though it doesn't count, it's always something to be excited about. So. 100 win season incoming. You bet. Inbound. You Only bet. 80. Only 80. You guys ain't getting over 100. I mean, you never know. We'll we'll find that we'll find that out in the season. But <laughs> yeah, the NBA just coming back from All Star All Star weekend. So I'm excited to see where that the second half of the year is going to take us. And Chris, I know you had some. Uh, hockey that you wanted to talk about. So here you go. 30 seconds right here, brother. <laughs> I just want to give a shout-out to the Rangers. They uh, they just went on a 10-game winning streak, which was sadly taken away yesterday by the Columbus Blue Jackets at the bottom of the division. But can't take away anything. But they were very good. Igor Shosturkin stole the freaking show. Yeah. He, uh, what was it? I, I saw a stat where in Igor's last 123 shots faced, he stopped 120 of them. That's insane. Which I think is some ridiculous, it's ridiculous. But earlier this, about a month ago, he was really, he was struggling a little bit. Oh, so it's good to see him kind of find his groove again. 
Now, you guys are both Rangers fans, I take it. Yeah. Of course. Of course. And <laughs> Rangers, yeah, right now they are first in the Metro, 39-17-3, 81 points, leading the Metropolitan Division. I, I, look, I think, and actually they are, yeah, what, they're tied for the second most points to the yeah. lead. So Rangers are looking good this year. Maybe we should pay some more attention to them. We Although should. they're not the local team. They, there's another hockey team. One that plays about 20 minutes away in South Philadelphia that's been pretty surprising this year. What do we think about the Flyers? They've been putting up a fight. They actually look pretty good. When I was watching the game the other day, I thought they were going to tie with like five seconds. I don't know if you watched it, Owen. When um, when Couturier hit the hit the post with like five seconds to go. Yeah, I I didn't watch it. I, I was following it, though. But, yeah, I mean, the Flyers, they – they they've surprised everybody this year because nobody thought they were going to be as good as they've been and even if they don't right now they're supposed to be in the playoffs and if they don't go far I think I think it's fine based on the expectations that people had for them coming into the year and how they've outperformed them so far. Yeah, I remember like in my sport in Philly class um like we were talking about how, like, the Flyers this year, you know, it was kind of just a rebuilding year, a transition year. Because if I'm not – is it a first-year head coach for them? I want to say – Well, it's uh, a second. Second year, yeah. John yeah. Tortorella. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Ex- it is Tortorella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's his second year. So, I mean, he's a guy who's obviously won with the Rangers in the past. Yeah, and he was with Columbus, right? Yeah, Columbus – then he was with Vancouver. Then he came over to the Flyers. Honestly, I think the Flyers like they they're need like him. They're the yeah, they're the team. A lot of young guys. They need a guy like John Tortorella who's known to be a fiery coach. Like the Flyers are a perfect team for him to try to get young guys motivated and play well. Right. So and also, but on that point, just before uh, we do move on to the real sports, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I did like I've we again in my sport in Philly class like Neil Hartman was saying that it's not the same Tortorella as in years past though or maybe it maybe he was saying that he couldn't be because the team he was taking on obviously again was a younger team with kind of no expectations and so I guess he's either embraced that or maybe he's just being his old self I'm not too sure but whatever's working uh yeah the Flyers having a pretty nice season again they're third in the Metro with uh, 67 points and look like they're probably going to end up in the playoffs. I mean, you look at the wild card um, and again, they, with the 67 points locked into that third place spot uh, are, are sitting pretty well right now. Yeah. I mean, even as a Rangers fan, it's, it's cool to see, you know, that rivalry get a little bit revamped now. And so we'll keep it in New York um, and, Moving over to some football news, you know, we told you that uh, there was some um, news over the weekend with different guys being tagged, uh, T. Higgins um, by Cincinnati, and now a lot of the running backs who were, you know, going to play uh, for the tag potentially next year are are being decided on, and we've gotten news that the New York Giants, the New York Football Giants are not expected to use the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. They will instead look to um, reach a deal before free agency uh, 
would start. Otherwise, he will be hitting the open market. And uh, this has been a conversation, I think, for a while, guys, about the future of Saquon. And so what do you think kind of happens from here? Do you think there's any chance of him returning? There's a, it's it's 50-50 because you know because the franchise tag if they would if they would have signed it would've been what like 12.1 mil right yep. mm-hmm. but the, the giants are not going to give him 12.1 i feel like they're trying to give him like a 10 maybe maybe even scratching 11 but you know that Saquon is not going to want under 10 or like that he's going to want like 13 14 something around that number yeah i mean i think that I'd like to say that Saquon's going to come back. I know you said 50-50, Chris. I feel like it's more like 60-40 and the 60 leaning towards that he doesn't come back. Because especially with what we saw last year with how long basically it took for Saquon to sign that contract with the Giants. And then I know there's speculation that there are teams that they think he would be a much better fit on, like, the Chargers, Texans, Texans, exactly. So I really don't know. I hope Saquon stays with the Giants, but it's just something we're going to have to wait and see what happens. And, you know, you remember last year, even after he did, or maybe not after he did, but when there was that kind of waiting period of if he would play under the tag or not, he did say at one point he just wasn't, he wasn't going to do it. He said, no, I will not play under the tag. And obviously – he ended up eating his words there and, and did play a year for about $10 million. Now it's been up to twelve, And obviously the Giants were hesitant to give him anything larger than that last year. So, I mean, at this point, if you're the Giants, you know, that's my point. Like, he's not taking the $12 million. You obviously don't want to give him more than that because if you did, you would just offer him a deal in the first place. So it's like now are they just like kind of out of desperation? They're going to cough up whatever um, – Saquon would ask for um, just to kind of show that, you know, they still have leverage and, and whatever and and just keep them around for another year when there are bigger needs for the Giants. We can all agree on that. There are bigger needs. And we saw what happened last year when they paid Daniel Jones that contract, which I can see Chris shaking his head, but it'll it'll be interesting. I mean – the, the Giants, they got to work on their offensive line. They got some core guys on defense that they should bring back. But, of course, Saquon, he's been – he's kind of been in it in it for long for the Giants. He's He's been with the team almost as long as anybody on this roster. So, Five years. Yeah. So he's he's seen it all, and hopefully he'll be back to see some more good years. I mean, again, this is – a guy who did run for 1,300 yards two seasons ago. Um, last year, he missed three games, and he ran for 962 yards, about four yards a carry. You probably want to see that a little higher. He was at five in his rookie year, but, I mean, still, he was on pace for another 1,000-yard season. So perhaps not the Saquon of old where he would be a no-brainer to just give you know $20 million a year. Um, because of his ability as a receiving threat. Uh, but still, I mean, Saquon Barkley is, is still a, a very good player. And, you know, the Giants obviously losing a guy at a skill position with a lot of talent like that is going to hurt them. But, again, 
like we just said, I think the offensive line is a good one, Owen, because, you know, Saquon behind that offensive line sometimes just didn't really look comfortable uh, and didn't really have room to to do what he does in, in space or anything. So we'll see where the Giants go from here. But it's also surprising as well. Adam Schefter also reporting that the Raiders are pretty much in the same boat with Josh Jacobs, a guy who led the league in rushing two seasons ago. They're not expected to use the franchise tag on him. So his would be a little higher. It would be like four, about $14 million instead of the – yeah, it would be 14.1, so $2 million higher than Saquon's. So Josh Jacobs is 26. Saquon is 27. So, again, these guys are – it's crazy to say, but as running backs, even at those ages, they are in like the latter half of their prime. You know, um, or at least that's what the the trends over the years have told you. Now, could one of these guys play until they're 35, 36? Yeah, sure. You know, it happens. Um, Frank Gore was, you know, going up the gut two, three times a drive for the Jets in 2020, man. Yeah. Uh, and his son is about to get drafted, I believe, right? Frank Gore Jr. is about a, he's he's a prospect in this upcoming draft, so – Crazy stuff. We already have a Frank Gore Jr. Um, but, you know, I, I just think these teams look at it from a financial standpoint, and even a player as good as Jacobs, um, who again, you know, he missed four games this year. His numbers were down. He, he did have a down year, but two years ago, this guy, you know, ran for 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns, and he was arguably the best back in the NFL. So, for this quick of a turnaround, it just goes to show you that the amount of cap casualties in the NFL, the amount of good players that hit the open market because teams just can't afford them anymore is is I don't know if concerning is the word, but it's like wow, it's just kind of surprising. Yeah, I feel like a running back in a similar situation is Tony Pollard because he's not going to get the franchise tag either, as was reported earlier today, and two seasons ago. This guy, him and Zeke were uh, the two running backs for the Cowboys, and Pollard really had an awesome year. Um, The Cowboys were fine with Zeke going to New England because they put the tag on Pollard last year, and they knew that he was going to be their starter. But he ended up having a really down year, and he's 26. Austin Eckler, another guy who didn't get the tag, he's 28. Derrick Henry, he's 30. He's still obviously super good, though. It's just interesting because these running backs, it's a a very tough position. And we're seeing it more and more with the amount of injuries that people are getting in the NFL every game. Like, their their lifespan, let's say, it's it's definitely shorter than it used to be. It's just just crazy the way they treat running backs in this day and age. It's it's like you could be 26 and still in your prime and and they'll just ship you off like it's nothing. It's, 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 It's unbelievable. So I, I'm interested in the fact that, you know, these guys are hitting the open market, but, like, if their teams aren't willing to retain them for the lowest possible price they could get them at, why would another team go out and spend $20 million? The only teams I could see that, that do that are teams with cap room and teams that just, you know, it's like a luxury to them. It's like, it's like I don't know. Like Kansas City being like, oh, well, we have Isaiah Pacheco, but we could have Josh Jacobs, you know? Or like, 
I don't know. I I, I just I, I don't even see a real market for these for some of these guys, unfortunately. And these are some of the best guys in 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 football. Some of the best still position players in the game the last few years. Austin Eckler, you know, I know very well he had a down fantasy year. Believe me, <laughs> started them about every week. Me too. Um. But, I mean, you looked at the three years prior to that, and he was the best, arguably the best bat in fantasy outside of Christian McCaffrey, right? And I know fantasy is like, okay, you know, it's fantasy. But fantasy is a pretty great, uh, you know, measurement of how productive you are. It really is, you know, how matter, no matter how much you want to separate it from the actual X's and O's and all that. Um you know, Eckler was a guy who, in the receiving game and on the ground, was very effective. Would find the end zone a lot. He was a he was a great running back, and uh, in a short amount of time, I mean, it just shows you as well, guys, what one down year can do for a running back's value, right? Unless you're unless you're just constantly, you know, five yards a carry and and all this and and getting into the end zone ten plus times. There's not many guys who do that in the lead, but it seems like if if you have one year away from that, your value pretty much tanks as a running back in in the current market at least. Yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate to see because, especially now with players, obviously the franchise tag going up each year, players costing more and more money. It's you mentioned it how the sense of the trust factor just isn't really there anymore, and it it's definitely not the same as it used to be, for sure. It's just it's just like I said before, it's crazy how they're how they're treating running backs. Like like you said, you can have one bad year, and and then you're just shipped off like it's nothing. And, and it's been a you know it's been a thing, kind of a trend now for a few years that you know you don't take running backs high in the draft. I mean that was why that Saquon pick was so controversial in the first place because. Going back to that draft, obviously sandwiched in between all those quarterbacks, Saquon Barkley, I think everyone could agree, was the most talented player in oh, that yeah. draft. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And there was still controversy at why the Giants picked him at number two when 20 years ago it would be a no-brainer for Cleveland probably to take him at number one no matter how bad they needed the quarterback. Now, obviously, Nick Chubb comes along and you know he's the – basically uh, a version of that in Cleveland. Although, again, he's another guy who, you know, he's no doubtably one of the best backs in the league. But when it comes his time to look for a new deal, we'll see how the Browns value him with all his injury history. And so I agree, Chris. It, it is the, the the fall of the running back position is, is something that I think was very kind of abrupt. Uh, and just in these last few years, it's really kind of accelerated. And so before we go to break, I quickly want to ask you guys, wh- what do you think are some good landing spots for for Saquon? I'd say probably either like the Ravens or the Texans. Yeah, I mean, I said the Texans earlier, Ravens. I, I, Ravens, I liked a lot. I do like the Ravens a lot. You gave Lamar a running back. Yeah, I like the Ravens a lot. The Texans is another good choice. You know, people are saying Philadelphia. Which, if he goes to Philadelphia, I, I know, I know, mind. some Eagles fans in this department want Derrick Henry to be an Eagle. I, I, I would be upset if Saquon went to Philadelphia. <laughs> but that being said, I think he he would be a good fit there too. Yeah, I mean, you looked at any of these teams who have been kind of going 
sort of the running back by committee or just don't have a number one. It's like Saquon just plugs in mm-hmm. to so many places. And that's the interesting thing, too, is that he's such a good fit on so many teams. Who's going to be willing to actually pay him to come? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. We'll see. But a very uh, interesting, and I should really say for the running back position, kind of a dark day. Uh, a lot of a lot of the top backs in the league um, are being just – you know, allowed to hit the open market test free agency by, by these teams. So, um, we will have to go to break here on offsides quickly. And, uh, when we return, we'll get into some, uh, spring training news as this is the first full week of spring training here in the 2024 spring. But we had to check the WGLS community calendar before we had to break. The Samaritan Center is a program that helps the Lasboro residents with economic difficulties by providing free food once per month. You can give back to your community by donating food, clothes, or by volunteering your time. Email glassboroofoodbank at gmail.com or visit online at glassboroofoodbank.org for more information. This community calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM, your source for community news and information offsides when we get back how is your job to school let me tell you I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. Visit stoptextstoprex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. NBAstore.com, the official online store of the NBA and the world's largest selection of officially licensed NBA fan gear with unique designs by Fanatics, Nike, and all the latest styles for every NBA team, plus one-of-a-kind products and authentic collectibles. Shop now and get today's special offer. NBAstore.com, a Fanatics experience. The workday's done. It's time to hit the road. That's where Rowan Radio comes in and the ride at 5. Tune in from 5 to 6 p.m. for the music that matters and the songs you want to listen to. Give us a call or send us a text, and if we've got it in store, we'll play it over the air. But if you just can't get enough of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, let us pick the music while you drive. That's The Ride at 5, Monday through Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. only on the station with more music than anyone else. Roman Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. RowanRadio.com, Channel 2, Rowan Radio 89.7, WGLS-FM. This is Offsides on this Monday evening, approaching 5.30 here on the East Coast. Glassboro, NJ, coming to you live from the WGLS studios. It's Aaron Hook with Owen Colwell and Chris DeZillo. 
talking some baseball. First full week of spring training here, guys, and obviously uh, the talk of Major League Baseball to this point has been the horrible, horrible, just graphic photos that have been shared of players in their new Nike X Fanatics uniforms. It's quite disturbing. You know, there are children on social media these days, and they have just the same access to these photos that we do. And there are players junk for back of, you know, to use a baseball term, all over the place, man. These jerseys are literally see-through. I don't understand. And it's it's gone viral. Um, so the players have been complaining about that amidst the actual baseball. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on these new uh, very provocative jerseys or pants, really. I don't like them. <laughs> they've, all, they've all been wow. see-through. <laughs> There's nothing else you can say. They're just they see-through. I, I, I just don't <laughs> understand why. How? You're you're fanatics. How do you make that bad of a, a pants? I, I I just don't understand like the like there has to be some quality control or t- or testing at some point before they actually just give them out to every major league player. Yeah, I mean, having having seen that guy on the Giants picture, I was I the first thing that everybody noticed with the jerseys was how how the lettering on the last names basically is half the size now. And then, you know, when people started to take take pictures for media day, people started to notice how the pants were see-through. And I just, the jerseys, I, I would do some jersey rankings in years past, and now seeing this stuff this year makes me appreciate even the bad jerseys from two, three years ago. I saw something. Yeah, I mean the letters are just so, they're they're so strangely small for no reason. Like <laughs> it just it, it looks like an MLB the Show jersey or something. Like where exactly. like where you go in the Jersey Creator and you like right. shrink the font. <laughs> like I know. I, and so I does. saw I saw I think it was J P Crawford. Uh, it was like a comparison of his jersey from last year to this year. And it's like some of the letters are kind of just like weirdly like separated farther apart than others, and it's like the, uh, some jerseys I've seen are like just like the lettering's just like off center, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just like I'm just kind of confused on how like that that possibly happens when you have a company like Nike uh, really just overseeing being the actual jersey provider, and then you have Fanatics doing the I guess the the. Oh my lord, that's I I can't even read that. I'm getting a view at someone's. I believe that's a Cincinnati Reds jersey. Who, yeah, who so is that? Christian Encarnacion Strand, when oh, he first wow. came up that last year. Name. You know the really long names on the jerseys. They would they would curve around the Encarnacion number. Encarnacion Strand. Why doesn't it just go by Strand? That's so much easier. I don't know, but and that's a ridiculous name. I mean, okay, that and it, that literally what you just showed me. It, it looked like a horseshoe. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> I, now. <laughs> I, 
I mean, okay, can I blame them for that? Maybe it looked a little more ridiculous than it should, but this guy's name is also ridiculous. So, like... Yeah, but I even saw, you know, two, three days ago, just Justin Verlander's jersey dropped, and the numbers on Verlander's jersey, his name went about halfway to Encarnacion a little bit. And I, I thought to myself, Verlander isn't even a long last name, so... I think I think the jerseys have, have been terrible. I just hope they they <laughs> find a way to fix stuff before the season starts if they yeah. if they care enough. So Michael Chavis of Seattle uh posted a picture of his jersey and it, it just it looks so it looks like it, it looks like you got a lot of DHD. <laughs> I mean honestly, it looks so fake. There's like the C and H in his name are like pointing like on like a diagonal slant, and then the rest of his name is just like not doing that. It's so weird. Yeah, there's the pit. Yeah, Chris, you see that? It's so weird. <laughs> what is that? What? And then and then Fanatic support actually responded to this guy's tweet. This guy took a screenshot of Michael Chavis's story where he posted his jersey on it, and Michael Chavis didn't even seem to notice. He just said. He just said, mm-hmm, with like seven M's and then the prayer emoji. So he was he's just happy to be there. He doesn't care what his jersey looks like. But this Mariners fan, I guess this is, it looks like a Mariners like fan account on, on Twitter, or X, I guess, <coughs> took a screenshot, and he was like, Mariners oh, new oh. number 10. And I guess he was the one. And, and the, 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 the number is like, it's off-center too. It is. The zero is lower than the one. Oh, my God. And then Fanatics responds to this guy and says, hey there, it looks like we dropped the ball on this one. Send me a DM so I can learn more about this from Kyle. I, 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 so they're dropping names out here. That's how, Brad, that's how bad it is. They have to identify themselves behind the screen mm-hmm. because they screwed up so bad on these jerseys. Oh um, yeah, these look really bad. I, I think the ones in years past have been perfectly fine. I don't know why. Fanatics had to be brought on because I I believe I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I I think they're the ones actually manufacturing the jersey. I think Nike is kind of just putting their logo on it. Is like right? Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't want to say something that I th- I think that's what I heard. Yeah, and it used to be Majestic who controlled all that. Right. So how did the MLB allow this? How- uh. Yeah, so MLB, okay, yeah. Nike design uniforms, Fanatics, which manufactures the uniforms. So, I mean, Nike is doing the designs and the colors, I understand. But the just the, and they're probably picking the font. Mm-hmm. But it looks like Fanatics isn't even going forward with it. Like, they, like, sometimes the font on these jerseys just don't even look the same from letter to letter. <laughs> it's so, it's so weird. And this is Major League Baseball. This is not. It's not a col. It's not a college team. This is not even you know a foreign league. No, this is Major League Baseball with arguably the biggest company in the world, in in house in the same country, manufacturing these jerseys domestically, and they are just terrible. Imagine, imagine and they're see through, which is just even worse. Imagine they did did that with the NHL. Oh my goodness! Who who does make the NHL jerseys? Are those also Nike? I think Adidas. Adidas. Adidas? Yes. Yeah. 
I liked when Adidas used to make the NBA jerseys. I really did. Those were like the classic imagine, 2010s jerseys. Imagine uh, Adidas makes the pants see-through for hockey players. And how that would be how bad that would be. Yeah, I mean, current. well, Nike also makes the um, NBA jerseys. Right. And I think those are fine. I, I think the NBA jerseys are, are, are pretty good. Yeah. I, I liked a lot of the jerseys that are worn around the league. Um, the Clippers are getting new ones, which just came out today. Yeah, I, d- I did see that. New logo for the Clippers also. Yeah. Um, Looks very nice. Yeah, their their logo is – their logo <coughs> – we're getting so off track here. The logo is a C in the middle with, like, a white circle around it with blue trim, like a light blue trim. Then Los Angeles Clippers in a bigger circle. I mean, it's a – and then there's, like, a – what is that? Like, I just uh, – a ship. A naval ship or, or something in the yeah. middle? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what – I don't know what – I guess a clipper has something to do with that. I don't know. I never knew what the clippers meant. Like, what, wait, what's a clipper? So, they used to be – they used to play in San Diego. Oh, that's – the clipper okay. ships, yeah. That made sense. But either way, like, sorry I brought up this unrelated note, but oh, yeah, clipper. the clippers, I think I can respect it. Because they're moving into their new arena next year, and they, I guess they just want to totally, you know, re, rebrand. Which I think I think the jerseys look good. I think it's a good job from the Clippers. But going back to MLB, yeah, I think, I think just MLB should. I think they really just gotta take a look and. I did see something where the Kansas City Royals were playing in a spring training game yesterday. And um, the pitcher, the letters on the jerseys were a lot larger than what I've been seeing from other teams. And I know the Cardinals, somebody said the Cardinals did something like that too. So maybe, you know, there's going to be some changes being made, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So in actual baseball news, well, I guess – you know, news that actually concerns the on-field play. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I know the Yankees. Yankees won nine two. Okay, nine to two. Phillies losing seven to six against Boston. I'm not like imagine that this matters, but Yankees today kind of had. I mean, they had every. I. I. I it looks like they kind of had the opening day lineup outside of Judge. Um. The only difference is Trent Grisham started in center field today. Everyone else, I think, this looks pretty locked in for the Yankees' opening day lineup. They went LeMahieu at third, Soto in right, Torres at second, Rizzo first, Stanton DH, Verdugo left, Volpe shortstop, Grisham center, Rortvet catching. I guess, well, I, I mean, you know, perhaps Austin Wells yeah. catches opening day yeah. or Trevino, but um, – Nestor Cortez going today for the Yankees. He did okay. I don't think he did. He gave up seven hits, yeah. a couple runs, four strikeouts, and then a bunch of guys I have never heard of. Wasn't on that game. It it was mostly the defense as well. They gave up errors left and right. Soto, uh, th- this kid the Yankees got. Um, oh, uh, Jorbit Vivas had a home run. I think he had two. He had. And they got him 
where did uh, they got him from the Dodgers? Yeah, from uh, was it the? Yeah, they got him and Victor Gonzalez from the Dodgers. Right. Yep. And so I mean, he looks like a player. Yeah. Vivas. I think he was ranked pretty high in the Dodgers system. He is a top ten prospect in the Yankees farm system as well. So they won today. How about Spencer Jones yesterday? Spencer Jones looks fantastic. Three for three. He, that he hit did. like a he hit like a four hundred seventy foot bomb yesterday. Yeah, I think I feel like not many people are talking about this, but I feel like the Yankees they their roster is it's just it's night and day from last season, I yeah, feel like. I agree. And I mean these prospects look like I mean, you know, you wait for Jason Dominguez to get healthy and you just add more talent to that outfield just like that. And you have a guy like Jones who looked you know, he's mashing, he's your number one prospect. You get Vivas you know, you traded the guy like Trey Sweeney, who is a shortstop. You have a you have a million shortstops. You want Volpe to be your shortstop of the future. He didn't really have a place. You trade him to the Dodgers. You get a good lefty in Victor Gonzalez, and you get Vivas, who is now looking like he can really mash, at least in spring training. But, yeah, I think the Yankees, honestly, and, you know, I was a guy who even last week, I was like, they need to go out and get more pitching, which maybe they still do, but... You know, uh, I think they have added a lot of talent, and obviously the Juan Soto move is is massive. That kind of just automatically gets you like five to ten wins. So from an 82-win team last year, you figure even if everything, you know, if the pitching just isn't great, they should be good enough offensively to get 90-plus wins and and back into the postseason. Um but I think, you know, the rotation is, is solid. I would have just liked to go get another big arm. But I think that's kind of – that ship is kind of sailing. And we can kind of move to that as well. Like, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, these guys are still sitting on the open market here on February 26th. I mean, there's a little over a month left before the season starts. And these guys are not with a team. And we've kind of seen this now – Feels like every offseason the last four or five years where guys, especially stop Boris clients, really kind of exclusively stop Boris clients, have gone unsigned for very long periods of time. You know, I, I'm pretty sure pretty sure Bryce Harper signed in March with the Phillies, um, in twenty nineteen. So, you know, at what point do these guys just kinda give up and are are willing to take lower than what their asking price is. Yeah, I think I think especially if you're Blake Snell, I think you you uh I mean this is the reigning NL Cy Young winner we're talking about. Just unsigned a month before the season starts. It's pretty unheard of. Yeah. I I know the Yankees put out an offer to him. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they offered him 5 years for 150 million or 6 years for 150. And January. Snell, yeah, Snell either wanted another year. He wanted. I I saw a tweet. It was like he wanted like nine years, for like two seventy. But you're not gonna like. I think he's what thirty one years old. Yeah. So he's, he's like he's getting up there in age, and I don't think the Yankees are gonna gonna want to give him nine years over two seventy. Yeah, Blake Snell's thirty one. I think. I don't know if I'm necessarily as high on Blake Snell as other people because, you know, he walks a lot of guys. He doesn't really go deep into games. But, you know, I think under the right 
under the right coaches and situation, which I think him, Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez, you got Marcus Stroman in Yankee on the Yankees now too. I think under that, I think under that environment, New York Mets legend, by the way, he was, he was, he was really good for the Mets. I, Man, he was so good for the Mets. I liked him, but yeah, he was really good for the Mets. <laughs> I just think, I just think Blake Snell should take take an offer because you go want to go out there and defend your title. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just is it is it the stubbornness you guys think of the player more or the agent in Scott Boris? Because again, it's only been really his guys. I feel like it's him being selfish, asking for like nine. Did you see that as well, Hook? He uh, he asked like nine years, two seventy. Yeah, no, right. And the Yankees offered what? They gave him five for like five for what? Like one fifty. One fifty. I take that any day. And then what? He wanted another year, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you're not gonna give him ten years for over two seventy. Like that's and and he's thirty one. You're gonna pay until he's forty one. I I do that. I find it hard to believe, Chris, that that the taste was the Yankees wouldn't just give him an extra year. Like, that was the that was the line. I feel like it's the money. I don't think it's the yeah, years. I it's agree. It's definitely the money. Because I, they they still want to have money so they can sign Soto at the end of the year. They don't want to pay uh, Snell and all this money. Just, I mean, right. No, so I'm sorry, Chris. No, no, you're good. No, I, they don't want to pay Snell all this money just so they can, just so they can lose him again. And for Snell, like you said, Chris, he's 31. So, like... Uh, maybe he wants to play one place for the rest of his career, and that's why he wanted the extra year. But, like, a five-year deal as opposed to a six-year deal, I would feel like for a guy at 31, I feel like you would – if he if he feels like he can pitch deep into his career, especially, again, as a guy who isn't known for exactly eating up innings, right? Like, right. like I, I would feel like maybe you would want the flexibility of a shorter – contract and five years is not a short contract i mean that's five seasons yeah you know so i don't know um i think the yankees too like chris said juan soto he's i I can see him getting at least 500 million dollars and if he wins mvp it's going to be more than that so the yankees obviously they traded for him for a reason so they're on a mission mm-hmm. i mean yeah and and i've kind of heard the discourse be like well, he's only a rental. Well, I mean, ideally, you probably win ninety plus games, close to a hundred. And so, so what do you think it takes for him to stay? Do they have to win the World Series? Do they have to get to the they World Series? They have to get to the World Series. If they, they lose in the ALDS, is he gone? He he is gone. You, you can, it is it is World this. I'm telling you right now, it is World Series a bus for the. Well, Yankees that's just year. the player, right? I mean, the Yankees are going to offer him a lot no, no, of money. No, no, but I'm saying for Juan Soto to stay, you have to make the World Series. That that's his goal to win to win another ring. You're right. I you, mean, you, I, you I would need, agree. With you that. need to win. You 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 assess this team. You need to win. Owen, yeah. I mean, I think you know you got Aaron Judge there, Stanton, Verdugo. Now you got a very deep lineup when healthy, and I think that the Yankees they they have the pieces to go far. You know, I just think. I think as of right now, what the things I've seen on social media, I think Juan Soto feels good with as a Yankee. But you know, when when 
when the Yankees go up to Yankee Stadium in a month and Juan Soto takes plays in right field because I think they said Judge was going to play center this year. Mm-hmm. I think um, the fans are definitely going to – they're going to state their wants, and they definitely want Soto to stay. And I just think that for the Yankees, this was a deal they had to make. You know, you don't – these are once-in-a-generation type players, and right. they don't they don't come up around very often. So I think, like Chris said – you got to go pretty deep into the postseason if there's any, if there's any chance that he's going to stick around. You have to overtake Houston. You have to. Um, we had earlier today, we had the Dodgers trading Manuel Margot, outfielder, uh, to the Minnesota Twins. Um, and uh, they also signed T.J. Hernandez, who won a championship with them in 2020. So... Some nice moves there for the uh, Death Star, that is the Dodgers. And Shohei Otani is said to make his debut tomorrow as a DH uh, for L.A. in spring training. So um, We also had Cody Bellinger uh, sign on uh, yesterday, and uh, he agreed to a three-year $80 million deal to stay with the Cubs. I think that's a pretty good deal for Chicago. I, I think, think so, yeah. I mean, you know, $26, 27000000 million a year for – a guy who last year hit 307, uh, pretty good. OPS 881, 26 homers, 97 RBIs. That's I feel like that's a, almost a steal, honestly. Like for a guy like Cody Bellinger, who, I mean, you know, again, like is he is he someone where, you know, he'll play the outfield and is he going to do it to an incredible level? No, but I mean, he had a really nice year last year. Um, at the plate, so what do we think of that deal? I feel like it's a good deal. I mean, they gave him two what two opt outs in the first two of his contract, right? right yeah, now? yeah. I feel like it's a high risk, high, low, low, high risk, high reward because he had he had a great year last year, but he's also he's also getting up there. And how old is he, Owen? Like, I think he's like what thirty something. He's getting up there in age, but I feel like the a deal for him. Like, so he's he will be he he will be twenty nine in okay. July. So he's twenty eight. He's, he's still a little young, but I feel like a it's a steal for, to only sign him for three years. I thought he would get like a like a five or six, something like, somewhere around there. I think two things. One, I think this was a great deal for the Cubs because I thought he was going to get around a hundred million dollars. You got him for eighty million. I think the Cubs are now the 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 choice for me to win the NL Central, judging off the other moves that they've made this offseason. But also, I feel like this kind of speaks to the other free agents that are still on the market. I feel like the longer, like Snell and Montgomery, the, the longer these guys are waiting around, I think the less money they're going to make, which, which kind of just went back to the Bellinger contract because – I, I was kind of surprised when I first saw it because I thought he was originally going to make more money. But right. especially with Blake Snell, like he ended up wanting more money from the Yankees and other teams. If he doesn't pick up an offer soon, he's going to end up making less. Right, and, and yeah, we're seeing more and more kind of these bargain deals um, being made. And so um, yeah, Tim Anderson to... Miami a few days ago. I mean, he didn't have a good year last year, but Tigers got Gio Urshela. 
Um, there was some injury news last week that we haven't talked about yet for, unfortunately, Owen's New York Mets. As their Kodai. ace, Kodai Senga, um, unfortunately, is being shut down with a posterior capsule strain in his right shoulder. That doesn't sound good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Will likely begin the season on the injury list, and it's expected, uh, and it's expected to miss a good amount of time. No exact timeline. So you figure at least for two months or so, you're probably without Sandra. And now the Mets are a team, Owen, that perhaps could look at some of these pitchers still left on the market and try and get them at a little bit of a bargain price. I think they definitely still have a shot. You know, David Stearns was asked last week when it, when Senga's injury was announced, he said they weren't going to try to get another pitcher because I think in his words they trusted the depth that they had within the organization, which a little it can be a little questionable at times. But <laughs> you got you got Jose Quintana starting on opening day right now, which uh, I I, th- I still think he's a good pitcher. It's just. When Senga was still healthy, you had a little bit more depth. Now, if some if another guy goes down, which I wouldn't be surprised, as much as I love the Mets, if I I wouldn't be surprised if another guy got hurt. I think, I think the not willingness to go get another pitcher is going to come back to bite you, if Senga doesn't come back in enough time. Yeah, again, there's no timetable, but a, a shoulder injury under throwing arm is. Just not what you want. Um, it may even be worse than an elbow injury. Um, so yeah, and obviously, like you said, now everyone in that rotation gets bumped up. So you know your your two that maybe should really be a three is now your one, and you know it it just kind of throws out the whole sort of pecking order and um, tough for the Mets. Who I mean, a lot of people are down on the Mets. I I think they are they are a solid team. They're not as they're not some bottom bottom feeder team. It's just the team has said that oh, and they're they're not looking to go all in and spend all this money, which is again why they've been hesitant to maybe go add a, a pitcher. But with the Sanda injury, you almost kind of give them no choice to preserve just being at least somewhat competitive. I understand. Not being the Yankees and leveraging your farm system in in some respects to go get a star, like Juan Soto. I mean, you know, you have your stars presumably in Alonzo and Lindor, and you know the pitching was obviously a concern coming in after you lost Verlander last year. Um, and I mean, Sango, who had a great year, was supposed to come back as your ace, and now really the Mets are struggling to find a rotation that I think they can be comfortable with. And so uh, maybe I, I, I would think out of the two that we mentioned, Montgomery would be the more likely option. He's pitched in New York before, obviously, and he really had a nice year, a great postseason with the Rangers last year, won the World Series with them. And so I think he would be a nice add for the Mets. And I feel like you could get him, if you sound into maybe a, a four-year deal, three, four-year deal, you could probably get him for like 140, 150 million, which that's not crazy, but I mean it's going to be close to the amount of money that he wants, probably around 25, 30 million. Yeah, I think. I think Montgomery. The more you say it, I think he would be a really nice fit. You know, 
Heavy sinker ball pitcher, ground ball pitcher, city field, obviously, pitcher-friendly park. You got defense. You got Lindor up the middle. Harrison Bader is going to be in center field, which he's one of the reasons why the Mets picked him up was because of his defense. I think Montgomery is a, a good option, but, again, the, right now the Mets have guys like Tyler McGill, who's going to get a shot now this spring. Other guys that David Stern said – they would turn to it's just you know you hope that this is the this is the right time but for those guys but it reminds me kind of of what happened last year when Edwin Diaz went down with the injury except for the bullpen you know David Robertson who was the eighth inning guy at the time now was the closer and you saw how it affected the Mets bullpen they just did not perform as well so the immediate thing you feel like this is going to happen to the rotation but we'll we just have to wait and see what happens. Montgomery did meet with the Red Sox. It was reported today. Um, and so uh, Red Sox and Scott Boris reportedly had a good meeting recently and may get some deal done eventually on Jordan Montgomery, uh, said um, said a, a, a National League executive uh, who believes they may get the deal done According to Peter Gammons. Um, and so we'll see. But again, these guys have been holding out for a while. So, I mean, unless the team really comes at them aggressively, I'm not sure I expect much to change, which is, it's just so strange to see a guy like Blake Snell, who won the NL Cy Young, and a guy like Jordan Montgomery, who won the World Series, uh, just sit there out in the open market. Would you want Jordan Montgomery back in the Yankees uniform, or would you rather want Snow? I feel like, but I mean, I would take Monty back. Uh, you know, he, he would lose that beard, and he would kind of look like a you know, <laughs> normal person again. But <laughs> he, uh, I mean, you know, when we traded him for Harrison Bader, I'll be honest, I didn't like it. I hated that trade. I hated it. Too. I hated it from day one. And Bader is now a Met, so enjoy him. Mm-hmm. Enjoy his 670 OPS and his two diving catches a year. And, uh, I mean, look, is he a good defensive center fielder? Yes. Yeah, but, I mean, it would help if the guy could hit a lick, you know. But, I mean, pool guy, pool guy, you know, he'll be good for the Mets fans. He'll be a fan favorite, even if they do win, like, 80 games. But, again, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little higher on the Mets than most. I think the Mets, honestly, the Mets – They've got the talent, even with Sander going down. You get him back. As long as you don't bury yourself before, like, the middle of June. Like, if you're still, you know, if you're doing fine, like, come June and you're in a position for a wild card spot, I think the Mets are good enough to make the postseason. Absolutely. You know, the the annual Mets cycle is that they play really well in April. Yep. (laughs) In May, they're a little bit around 500, below 500. June, June is when they completely just lose it. So I think I think a lot has to go right in the beginning of the year for them because in years past we've seen the Mets play well second half of the year, August and September, but by that point, because of how bad they were in the beginning of the season, they're pretty much out of it. So I think they just got to they got to go one day at a time, try to win every day and take it from there. Mets gonna Met. Met. Always. You know it you know it too well, Owen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel it's, like, it's funny, I mean, all my cousins are Mets fans. And uh I have I really don't have sympathy for them because 
<laughs> they're like, they're not the, uh, I won't call them like, I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're just like, you know, they sit there and they complain. I'm like, what do you expect? You know, mm-hmm. at least, at least you're kind of realistic about it. You understand. I try to be. Yeah. Right. What were you going to say, Chris? I feel like Jordan Montgomery going to the Mets would actually fit because you got yeah. a reunion with uh, Severino. Yeah, Sevy is there. You're right. right. Yeah, I don't – I hope he bounces back. I really I really hope he has a nice year. It's just last year he looked really kind of cooked. I'm not yeah. going to lie. He was not – his fastball was definitely not where it used to be. was getting shelled, was giving up homers. It was bad. It would, It was ugly. I feel like he did change some things, though. Like, his arm angle looked a little different. You're talking about spring training or last year as opposed to... Last year. Okay. But SNY put out a video on their Instagram yesterday. Severino throwing live BP. Two pitches. He's facing Alonzo. Two pitches in a row. Alonzo swings and misses. I say, okay, this guy might have some promise. I go to the next story. Alonzo takes him deep. (laughs) (laughs) So... uh, you know, well, it, it's a balancing act. You know, Severino yeah. throws two good pitches. Okay, that's good. And then your best player, who you want to do well, just crushes a home run. Best of both. Spring Same training is the time for every player to <laughs> kind of get ready for the season. So I guess we'll see what happens there. Oh man, yeah, uh, spring training underway. First full week here in late February. All right, that'll wrap it up here on offsides. Thank you to Chris Dizillo and Owen Colwell for stepping in. Uh, and uh, sitting here with me on this Monday afternoon, which has now turned into evening as the sun is setting here in the borough. You can listen to Offsides Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, 5 to 6 p.m. I'm your host, Aaron Hook, and we want to say, as Chris yawns, thank you for listening and have a great rest of your Monday. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.